0: Dear Shooter, like everything in life, the threats we face mutate and evolve. As a result, our training and awareness must be refined and expanded. The world is more dangerous than it has ever been. Do you know how to stay safe? Of course
1: I have. just checking because I'm like getting <laughs> the stink eye here.
2: Go do your thing. But get good at your craft first. And put your budget to things that really matter to day today. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it—that's training. Let's face it: if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it. Wow! Feel the love. There it is. <laughs> and Brady too.
0: in. All of the sensibilities.
1: Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Dear shooters, brought to you by Wyotac Empowerment through self-reliance and Lucid Optics. On target, under budget. Well, oh, good morning and happy Thursday. Um, we got kind of ser- serious topics to talk about. the The world is really on fire right now. Well, there's a bunch of reoccurring themes and
2: how we look at it and address it, but.
0: Yeah, it's it's time to remind folks how to pay attention. That's why the intro was so hard, because I always try to, you know, make it a little funny, but there is nothing funny about it. Well, you know, there are some funny
2: things that we see people do when they try and do this, um, for the first time specifically. Um, I watch a lot of guys carry a pistol, hammered down nothing in the chamber. I mean, I appreciate the idea, but... You're not helping.
1: No. And, and unfortunately, I mean, we watched, you know, a week and a half ago, we, we watched all of the chaos that happened in Israel. Over 200 people were kidnapped from their homes. Um, we still don't know where a lot of these people are or their status. Uh, a lot of these are Americans. And, and make no mistake, this isn't just an overseas problem. This stuff is being imported. And that's the spooky piece.
2: Um, and for a long time um and separate administrations have done a refugee program and we have no tracking on where these people are
1: no and that's the scariest part of it um you know right now uh the last statistic that i saw 11,000 people a day coming across the southern border uh we're handing them cash and bussing them to the interior of the united states uh, a lot of a lot of them never to be seen again we don't know who these people are, where they're at. Now, I do know that they, they have confirmed uh, hundreds of people on terrorist watch lists that have come across the southern border, been processed, and now no one knows where they're at. So I take it your plan is to just start acquiring more materials to, to make more bullets?
0: Well, that's what I've always done. So,
1: Well, and you know, here's the thing. People call you a hoarder for doing that. Um, I call you smart and forward-thinking. How many cycles have we been through where you couldn't get anything? Uh, There's a lot of, you know, when when threats emerge like this, there's panic buying. uh, And everybody, of course, waits to the last minute to go and get what they need.
2: Well, if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would ever get done. But you're absolutely right. Um, I've seen six separate cycles. The last two have been the worst as far as the dramatic swing In product availability and or pricing. Mm -hmm. Um, This last one has lasted a lot longer than anybody anticipated, too. Yeah. Um, I think there are manufacturers supporting war efforts abroad, and those war efforts take up ammunition. And the contracts take up our reloading supplies. Yes, they do. It's just the way it simply goes. Mm -hmm.
1: And, yeah, and and it's – you can't really blame the manufacturers because they're – you know they they've they're ramped up to the point where they're at capacity uh but there's also because of covid we've got raw material shortages everywhere still um and and unfortunately i think covid made people lazy um you saw a lot of people that were forced to work from home and now they're starting to realize that i don't necessarily have to be in the office i can still do what i need to do and, it just
2: enhances the lazy nature and, yeah. of humans.
1: Yeah, and, and I think a lot of companies are struggling with this.
2: Oh, and, and a, on a grand scale. Um, your customer service is one of the first things to suffer because getting a real person on the phone that actually speaks English is almost impossible these
1: days. Well, especially if it's anything technical. Um,
2: especially
1: about technical. Technology, you know, everything has been outsourced. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now We talk about situational awareness And things that we need to do To protect ourselves from a lot of these Threats that are coming about And, and the truth is they've always been there But I, In the last three years I think we've seen an escalation That's been unprecedented
2: now You watch the levels of threats and the way that they React to For lack of a better word we'll call it stimulus
1: huh?
2: That's different now than it was five years ago, um, Rittenhouse showed us that they don't run away from the gunshot anymore
1: well no and and the problem is that you've had this defund the police movement and you've had a lot of prosecutors and district attorneys that are you know cashless bail uh, it's pretty much instant turnaround there's no repercussions for committing a lot of these crimes in a lot of places. Well, they're making statutes now where
2: if it's a certain dollar amount, they're not even going to prosecute it. So it's free crime. Can we
0: prosecute an illegal alien that's come and committed crimes? Well,
2: with case law, on the books, it already says, no, you can't. Well, and you got to be able to find them and identify them. So we them. give
0: them free room and board and the ability to break every law on the planet because...
2: Up to and including murder. Mm-hmm. If they get caught, if they get prosecuted, they just get deported. And
0: Then they just come across the line again. They just
2: come back. They, um, come, they come. There right was back. a gal that got murdered, we're talking four or five years ago, and they caught the guy. And they prosecuted him. They deported him. Six months later, they caught the guy again attempting a rape. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> how many times do you got to do this to know that the policies don't work?
0: Uh,
1: apparently, at least twice.
2: Right. And if you're a citizen living in that environment, that's your warning sign, y'all. That's ringing the bell of get prepared, pay attention.
1: Well, and you see a lot of the states, uh, you know, especially the border states, you know, Texas, Arizona, they're they're taking a lot of the components that were set up by Trump for the wall, and they're saying, you know what, feds, you're not going to do anything with this. We're going to build it.
2: Well, it needs built. It's not an end-all be-all. It's not going to stop everything, but it's a pretty decent deterrent.
1: It is a deterrent, and and until the policies change, that's the best they can do.
2: Well, every high, I say, every politician that I know of lives in a house in a gated community and or a property that has a wall,
1: right? So you can't tell me they don't work. Yeah. Yeah, we, we know they work. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked about e, living in Wyoming, we are a fence-out state. And, and what that means is that we have a, a lot of open-range livestock. If you don't want them on your property, it is your responsibility to fence them out. It's, it's no different. If you don't want them in your country, you need to keep them out.
2: Unless it's a bull. Then it's a fence-in. You're responsible to keep control of your bull. So we're
0: fencing in or
2: out. Well, so if your bull can get into a herd and do his thing, right, and you don't want crossbreeding to happen, if you own the bull, the bull's your responsibility to keep secure. Cows, now on a grazing type of situation, it's a fence out. You don't want them on your property, you have to fence them out. You find them on your property, you've got to run them out and
1: fix your fence. Mm-hmm. Which is a royal pain in the butt.
0: It if is. they're not branded and tagged, you can just shoot them. And I'm assuming we're not branding and tagging our aliens. Uh,
2: it, a lot of them are branded and tagged. Um, the brand inspector, that's his entire job, is going and sorting out mixed herds. Making sure that no theft's happening.
1: Right? So, so who do we call when we, we, we've got the guy with the MS-13 tags all over him?
2: He's already branded himself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think he, he self-identified as a, a dirtbag. Right. And we should be
1: able to take actions accordingly. And one of the scary things that we're even seeing here in our small town, um, we know that they are busing MS-13 onto our Indian reservation because they can blend in.
2: I saw a couple guys today that had the gang signs, the the face tattoos. Um, they weren't necessarily blatantly native. They looked Hispanic in nature. And, I, and this is Riverton, Wyoming, y'all. I saw a couple guys today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At s- what point do our tribes realize that they don't belong? Because tribes have different ways of dealing with things than what we're allowed to do.
1: Well, I I think they, they know they don't belong. However, I think that there's been some financial incentives to the tribe itself to allow this to go on. Um,
0: Until they start messing up there.
1: Oh, agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, unfortunately... You know, when we go back to this, you know, we, when we, we have the welfare conversation is, you know, if, if you think that the government taking care of you is a good idea, just look at the American Indian. Uh, it, it's not a good thing. And and sooner or later, uh, the, the last branch is going to break here.
2: Well, so someone else taking care of you, again, it's a flaw in the mindset. You are your own first responder. Period. End of story. Absolutely. The incident's going to be long over before you see law enforcement, mm-hmm. um, before you see any kind of help, first responders whatsoever. It's going to be over.
1: Well, and there's, there's case law that, that the police do not have a duty to defend you.
2: Right. There's no responsibility to protect you. Right. Now, they do still have on their car protect and serve. Now, I will say that seeing police presence usually makes the area a shade safer. It a does. little bit. Um, but... At the end of the day, when something goes down, it's you and that other bad guy or bad gal or whatever the situation may be. Right then, right there, you have to handle it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Back to the decision. How are you going to personally protect you and yours?
1: Well, it it goes back to we've got, you you can't stop at going and getting the mandatory concealed carry class. You've got to look at what the threats are. You know, we're looking at, A huge uptick in home invasions. Even if you choose not to personally
2: carry, you have to consciously elevate your situational awareness Mm -hmm. and don't put yourself in situations that could possibly be dangerous. Now you can take that too far to a panic side, right? And be agoraphobic and stay in your house all the time. There's a balance to be struck there. And the decisions you make, whether you choose to carry or lock your doors or whatever it is, depending on the environment you live in, those are the ones who are going to guide you. Training. There, are, there is training for situational awareness. Teach people mm-hmm. how to think about the environment they're stepping into, whether it's a parking lot, whether it's a shopping mall, whether it's their backyard at night. And not all the threats always are two-legged types. We live in Wyoming. Sometimes the threats are four-legged types. Now,
0: is right? there training for if you are caught and you are the hostage is there training for that outside of, you know, we've all done the seer courses and stuff. That's a little absurd. But is there something for the general civilian yes. if you get captured?
1: Yes. Um, that's actually exactly I know what there's, I...
0: like, breaking of the zip ties or getting out of ropes. And, and there's, there's things. There's things uh-huh.
2: you can do. That's right. Now, you looked at a course that is a evasion, capture, and escape course. So
1: it's a 88 tactical. They do an urban escape and evasion. And, and I know one of their scenarios starts out that you have been kidnapped. Interesting. Um, and you've got to get out of that situation and make your way to a safe point without being recaptured. Um, <laughs> good training. It It is good training. It is high level. Uh, this is not something to jump into as a beginner.
0: But is there a beginner course to get you to the level? Yes. Because you need that level. Yes. But you need something beforehand.
1: There is. Um, And they do have other courses that will bring you up to that level. Um, There are prerequisites to it. And and most higher level training, there is going to be a prerequisite. But these trainings, they're
2: really giving you the the tools from a mental capacity to manage your fear.
1: Right. Which
2: is the real prison, if you stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The bad guys want you afraid of them. Right. Right. and when you're no longer afraid you'll go and do more smartly and you are free again
1: well and in a, and, a, and a, in in most instances you know you talk about rittenhouse and and how you know when he shot and and in that situation what we saw was not what we were typically seeing of the crowd's going to now run away because now shots have been fired the crowd in fact advanced and that was something that we had never seen up until that point so now we have to look at things a little bit differently is uh, a big mob mentality, they're not necessarily afraid of the gunfire anymore.
0: That's true. And, so and would you, you recommend a small units tactics training for that kind of scenario? Not necessarily
1: for that urban type of scenario. Uh, small unit tactics is more of an urban or a, a rural environment. Uh, where we live, small units is, is great because you're, you're learning things in, in a small unit environment. Uh, you're, you're talking about patrolling, different types of patrols, where everybody's going to be. You're talking about situational awareness in a rural environment. Uh, it, it's, it's totally different in a city. Now, some of those tactics are going to apply if you are trying to move in a city. Uh, however, typically in a city environment, you're, you're in a completely different patrol type of situation. You are in crowds. You are in public and and the same tactics are not going to apply.
2: But the mindset helps. The mindset helps. If you helps don't a ton. have to go alone, don't. Right. Having another set of eyes watching your back is a good idea if you feel like you might be uncomfortable where you're headed.
1: But it's like you were saying though, don't you know don't put yourself in that situation if you don't have to. Um if I know that I'm going into a situation where I need somebody watching my back Maybe I'm going to rethink going into that situation. That's a good valid point.
0: Stay safe. Dress like you're going to Walmart. Don't wear all your bling. Don't look important.
2: You can definitely change your initial perception by the way that you are dressed. That's absolutely correct.
0: And don't go anywhere alone. Because if you go in groups of two and three, you're a harder target than that one Single mom going to the store just after dark right, and if you step herself. out of the
2: house dressed in full tech gear, you're drawing attention to
1: yourself
0: right you don 't want to do that either
1: right right and uh, yeah the you don't know, pay attention to what the way you dress i I've actually been making that conscious effort lately because i I have a tendency to wear yes a, a lot of five eleven and i it, okay it Everybody's wearing the cargo pants now, so it's not it's not as much of a, hey, shoot me first pants. But I still am, have been conscious about that and going back to more and more like I'm wearing jeans, I'm wearing slacks, uh, trying not to stand out as the guy who knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But back to mindset,
2: um, there's got to be a checklist of... Things you have to consider when you start looking at stepping out into the world as crazy as it's getting today. Things you've got to be mindful of. When I teach women's self-defense classes, park your car underneath a parking light in the parking structure. Mm -hmm. Don't park in a dark corner. Right. Right? Um, If you have to walk to your car alone, put something in your hands. Make sure that it's heavy and it's substantial. Keys are great because they're sharp. Um, remember the tactics of taking DNA. You might not win the fight, but they're going to be able to find the guy. Right.
0: Well, and there's common sense. If you are traveling, why would you choose a country that's in chaos? Mm. I mean, we're talking about Israel. Some Americans got, you know, captured with this thing that's going on. Why did you go to begin with, unless you're there for a work environment thing?
1: Well, I, I mean, I get it. Especially with Israel, you got to understand that there, there's a lot of Americans that still have family there. Uh, you know, we have a very large Jewish population in the United States, and they do still have family and friends that, that live in Israel. So I can see them going to visit. There's also a lot of people that, you know, they're, they're there on business. You know, we have, we have ambassadors. We have people that, that run businesses there.
0: It seems easier to have your family, pay for your family to come visit you at this point. Well, yeah,
2: it's probably definitely safer. It might not be easier. Um, but we're talking about tourists, though. We're not talking about guys sending, you know, going home to see grandma. We're talking about t- complete tourists.
0: Right. Like, I've never ever in my life go, hey, baby, let's go to Afghanistan. That sounds amazing.
1: Well, you, you know. We yeah,
0: not on the list. Oh.
1: I, I don't know. We get you a know, pretty good mining lease, and if we go over there with a the shipping container, I bet we'd come back with some really cool stuff. Well, it's my stuff. We left it. It, it is our stuff. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out how to put that on my tax return this year because um, I I donated a lot of stuff over there. I want my uh, my tax return. Sure, sure. Afghanistan is not my list, right? Um, we're looking
2: to travel to South Africa in a year. And that's that's pretty rough too. And it comes and goes from the from a unstable to moderately stable. Um, the State Department they issue really good notices about what's going on. They do pay attention to them.
1: No, if you're going to travel, take a look. And we did. We talked about that, you know, a few a few episodes ago when we talked about global travel. Make sure you know where your embassy is.
2: There's you a know. few details you just got to find yeah,
1: out. And and South Africa, it is really the Wild West. I mean, your, your PHs, when you were there, said to you straight up, if you see somebody on the property that is not with our group, shoot them.
2: Yes, that uh, was a comment that was made.
1: That, yeah, that's the Wild West, y'all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By definition, you were right. There's, and, there's, and there's no mistaking, you you are in hostile territory.
2: Well, and it wasn't a few months after we were there the last time. They erupted into riots. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could tip off at any time. You could get caught in a situation that's bad. How you handle that makes a difference whether you live or don't.
1: Well, and and one of the ladies that was there, uh, she's, she's the geneticist on the property. She runs the Lions. She lost her family uh, because her, her father was, was a white farmer. And they came in and killed him and took his farm. This stuff happens uh, you know, and, and, and it wasn't that long ago that that happened. Uh, she's been She's been with with this group for what five, six years. She's kind of an adopted daughter, yeah. yeah. Uh, they brought her in and, and yeah, she lives on site, and she's basically their family now because her family was killed and and their land was taken simply because they were white that's the kind of stuff that's that's going on in South Africa
2: and by definition that's an unstable environment it is so situational awareness is a
1: big deal it is a big deal i'm i'm not nearly as afraid of going because we're armed most of the time um travel to
2: from johannesburg the ph may be but we might, probably won't be
1: well it, it's south africa tell me what it costs we'll get out
2: oh yeah so getting out is there's less of a worry it's that it's staying that's a problem
1: right and we uh, you know we're there for what seven days eight days right
2: it's it's a micro time it's not like you're stepping off into
1: Israel for an extended sixty day trip mm-hmm. um, it's a whole different game yeah and and I've been in those environments uh granted i when I got to go to those environments i i say got to uh. But when I was in those environments, I was heavily armed and surrounded by heavily armed people. Uh, I wasn't as afraid, but at the same time, I was more afraid because I knew I was a target.
2: You intentionally put yourself in that situation, though. Mm -hmm. And so your mindset was a different thing. It was. Um, How was going to the grocery store? Wait, you didn't do that for yourself. We didn't, no. Right? So that's, that's what I'm talking about. If we're having terrorists imported in a refugee program, and they are finding their way to small town Wyoming, mm-hmm. you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. You get complacent in a small town because, for the most part, you've seen or at least know everybody to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I look around this town, I I don't know everybody anymore.
1: No.
0: We have a huge homeless population in as of late,
2: it's changed over the last year. Huge, right? Mm-hmm. So, my head on the swivel kind of mindset is different now than it was a year ago in my hometown. Right, that's what we're talking about.
1: Well, and, and, and we're in a situation where we're friends with with most of the local law enforcement. We know who these guys are. That's right, and and we you know we talk to them on a regular basis. Of, hey, this is what's going on. We know what's going on. And they flat out told us on, on several occasions, you know, if things go down, they're, they're showing up at your office because they know we'll, we'll back them up. We're, you know, we've got them outgunned, so we'll back them up. Yeah, my
2: armory makes theirs look like a child's toy. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's because of what they're issued. I get it. Small town law enforcement, small town budget, um, we do this stuff for a living. So we have a tendency to get a little bit cooler toys than even the cops have here. A lot of the time.
2: But having the toys is one thing. Knowing when and where to go and how to use those toys appropriately without getting yourself in a bind. It's still a civilian environment. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you decide to do, defend yourself with your hands or punch a primer and let a dog off a chain, your life's going to change right then and there forever. It absolutely is. And it's not necessarily the legal consequences as much as it is the emotional stability consequences of you have to change. The old complacency, small town, everything's safe, you know, Mulberry type of
1: mindset doesn't exist anymore. No. And it hasn't in two decades. That's right. Um, it, it Brandy and I had a conversation I don't know, a week or so ago, we, we, we've been watching this show. We've been watching all the Vikings shows and the internal politics that goes on and the, you know, I don't like you as a leader, so I'm just going to put a knife in your side. Uh, I made the comment to her of, you know, when if if the world goes that way, uh, if we end up in a civil war type situation, if we end up in some kind of social chaos uh, you know, pay attention to the way they handle politics because that's what it's going to be.
2: Yes, and the the more you're involved with more people, the more chances are you're going to be made a target. Um, the only guy that really survives is the hermit, but he becomes crazy because we're not meant to be isolated. Oh, I'm already crazy, so. <laughs> you're not necessarily crazy, but I will say that you're a carrier.
1: Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? I, I spread it. So, uh, it, taking a quick break from all the seriousness, um, I wanted to take a moment and talk about one of our supporters, Tenth Mountain Whiskey. Well, let's tie that back in real quick,
2: though. I mean, the guy that has bullets and booze, he's going to be a god. That's right. Right? And what do you got in your glass tonight? I'm drinking the Tenth Mountain Rye. Okay. I've got their single malt. Mm-hmm. Um, exceptional whiskey. Now you ran across these guys at an ELR match. Yes, they were supporting the shooting sports, mm-hmm. and then we got to know them a little bit, and they supported my ballistic summit. Came mm-hmm. out, played bartender. Heck of a good group of guys.
1: Oh, the, the the folks down there. I've I've been to their distillery and and hung out with them. Their distillers, their bartenders, just a great group of folks. They they do they bend over backwards to support the shooting sports to support veterans' causes. Uh, salt-of-the-earth people. And the only thing better is their whiskey. Oh, their whiskey's I incredible. I have tried
2: a metric butt ton of bur- bourbons and scotches. and I mean, I'm that guy that's seeking out the new stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I keep going back to the bottles of Tenth Mountain because it's just
1: good. It is good, and it's
2: young. Oddly enough, it doesn't taste young, though. No. So if you don't have access to it out there, Go to your liquor store and directly ask for it. It's worth
1: the try. Oh, it's absolutely worth it. Um, definitely. And and hopefully we're going to be talking about Tenth Mountain a lot more in the future. No, they're just good people. Why not? Absolutely. So getting back to the hell on earth that we are looking at right now, beyond upping our situational awareness, beyond okay, maybe we've made the decision that we're going to start carrying every day now. We're going to start carrying one in the chamber every day now. Um, you know, we're probably, if, if you've been listening to this program for any amount of time, you're probably carrying some kind of med gear on you or close to you. Um, the one thing I would suggest is is put together... You know especially if you're somebody that maybe you work in an office building or you know you've got to dress up for work you've got some kind of a dress code i I would suggest keep a pair of boots with you so you can change into if you've got a situation where maybe you can't drive home um, keep enough stuff with you that you know maybe twelve hours twenty four hours worth of kit to get you home.
2: I've noticed that over the past couple of years. My hoarder tendencies have really been a benefit because I now take multiple sets of my kits and stash them in places where I go. I have a set in my truck. I have a set at my office. I have a set just inside my door at my house. I have a go bag if I need to get gone. It has everything in it, including food, a water filter, water bottle, my med kits, my ammo. It sits with a pistol on it. It has a carbine. I can take off and be gone and be sufficient for an extended period of time because everything that I've got with me will get me more stuff I need later. But I stash stuff. No matter where I go, I have access to something I need. I even put stuff in my wife's car.
1: Right. I do, too. She doesn't know it, but I do.
0: He puts stuff in my car.
1: Uh
2: Uh-huh. But she doesn't even know where it's at, so it doesn't matter.
1: It, well and, and 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 I do the same thing except it's a holdover from what I was contracting so I had a bag that I could get where I needed to go inside of seventy two hours from anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and and I have carried that over so i I have a backpack with me and and for those of you that care i it's a five eleven rush twenty four I, I I did it black subdued just try and blend in with the you know, all of the, the bags you, you typically see people carrying in, like, in the airports. Um, it's a little bit more tactical because it's got the molly on it, and whatever. But Mine's a Jansport. Yeah, I, th- I should probably switch to that. Um, I uh, look like a fifth grader going to school. I should get a pink unicorn one. Well,
0: <laughs> you are how tall you are.
1: I know. It works. But I have everything I need in there to get me anywhere I need to go inside of 48, 72 hours. Um, I've got, you know, uh, things to keep my weapons going. I have extra ammunition. I've got, you know, I keep a, a real small kit of the fix it, fix it sticks in there. Fix it sticks. Fix it sticks. Yeah. I can't <laughs> talk today. Um, you know, I've got, a just a, you know, I got extra jacket, extra pair, extra shirt, extra pair of socks and underwear kind of thing in there. I've got some cold weather stuff in there because we live in a cold environment. Um, I keep things like a lockpick kit in there. Uh, uh, how many sets of this kit do you have, though? Uh, three, four. I mean,
2: within 100 yards of anywhere that I'm at at any given point, I've got that with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that just, for me, it's multiple sets of that kind of thing.
1: Well, and this bag, this particular bag goes everywhere with me because I, I do carry, you know, I've got my tablet in there. I've got my notebooks in there because that's when I'm when I'm working, when I'm out traveling or whatever, this bag is with me and it has everything I need. Uh, One of the other things that I always make sure to have is I've got cash in there. Um, Traveling abroad and being some of the places that I've been, you would be surprised what $100 will buy you.
2: Well, and I'm on the fence about cash because if society collapses like we've talked about a couple times
1: that currency will be null and void. Oh agreed now I think it'll be useful for about the first week but after that forget about it but you know I'm talking about now when society's still operating um, and especially if you were in a foreign country uh, U.S. currency is still widely accepted Uh, you can get yourself a plane ticket you can get yourself a hotel you can get yourself food you can get what you need.
2: And I would offer that Okay, so the the currency does become irrelevant. It actually makes a really good fire starter. It works great, so it still has a use. I'm not saying don't carry cash. I just wouldn't overload it to a point where no, it took up space where you could have something else.
1: No, but you know, three four hundred dollars on you in in twenties and fifties. You can you can make a lot of an awful lot of things happen Absolutely. that you need to. But you're not carrying some obscene amount of money. Correct. Um, but it's enough to you know, it'll get you a plane ticket back into the US if you need to. Valid. What else do you carry? Uh oddly enough, I you know, I got a med kit attached to it, uh, and I carry a Bucking smoke. Smoking
0: cliff bars. Hey. They'll
2: do
1: in a pinch. I know you hate them. <laughs> He made me eat them for a week. That's why you hate them. Well, you know, it's kind of my thing with stroganoff, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> she made me eat for a week. It, it, that was a that was a climbing trip twenty years ago, and I just still haven't gotten over it. There's some PTSD there. there. There's some great calories in a Cliff Bar, though, and it packs really
2: nice. Yeah, it keeps you moving. Um, Beef jerky worked well. Um, Snickers bars. When I travel abroad, I've got two or three Snickers bars and a bag of beef jerky. Always, you never know what the local food's going to do to your gut.
1: I always carry. I, I have a water bottle, and I usually have two or three Five Hour Energies in there. Um, if I'm if I'm in hostile territory, I, I I'm not going to take the time to sleep. I'm I'm getting out. And you got to rest at some point. Well, you got to rest at some point, but you can keep going for twenty four to thirty six hours, especially in a high stress environment. Right. Um, and that's typically going to get you at least to a place where you can rest for three, four or five hours.
2: And if you're new to this conversation, situational awareness is key. Making a choice on how you're going to protect yourself is the thing. And each of those decisions, like I said earlier, goes way down a rabbit hole on each side of it. And there are several podcasts on each of those details probably, but nobody can tell you how to do this for you. You and your family have a different set of needs than I do personally. It's a very personal thing, but training.
1: No, and in and, and and going down the training, I will tell you right now, um, you know, we we, can, we have a tendency to kind of bash on the NRA a, a little bit, but they do have a very incredible program. It's called Refuse to Be a Victim. It's a good it's program. It's not very expensive, but it will explain to you uh, a lot of the things that people do, uh, not even thinking about it, but the criminals look at very, very closely to decide whether or not to target you. Correct. Um, stupid things like, you know, do like you, you have
0: your nose in your cell phone.
1: Well, not even that, because I think that's pretty basic. I'm talking about things like what stickers do you have on your vehicle? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have home programmed into the GPS in your vehicle? Stupid things like this. Do you have, you know, in your cell phone, do you have your spouse listed as hubby or wifey or something of that nature instead of their name? Because now uh, somebody gets a hold of your cell phone, they're able to get into it. They can start sending text messages and your spouse now thinks they're talking to you and, oh, I'm not going to be home. Nobody's there. Now they know your home is free and clear and they have the address and your GPS. You just got wiped out and maybe your spouse gets killed in the process.
2: Information is critical. I agree with you. But walking down the street, she's right. Get out of your cell phone. Absolutely. Pay attention to what's around you. Driving down the road, pay attention. Anybody that's ridden with me knows that I check my mirrors all the time. I'm not always looking straight ahead of me. I'm looking to the side, seeing how the side streets are acting. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going into with a car.
1: Right.
2: And I know if something weird falls behind me for too long. Right. Those kinds of things keep you alive.
1: Well, and something a a lot of people don't think about, and this is something I I saw a video on this, I don't know, six months ago, and it was an attempted carjacking. And it was a guy getting onto an interstate on an on-ramp, and he had jersey barriers on either side. And they they used two vehicles to to box him in. But because this guy had a great big truck, like one-ton diesel, he just pushed right through it. Um, consider the fact that if you drive a really tiny car uh, and, and you've got vehicles that are surrounding you, uh, maybe it is time to take that shoulder and get the hell out of there.
2: Being trapped is a really, really bad feeling. Mm-hmm. Really
1: bad. Well, and if you're trapped and you're trapped inside of a vehicle, you're stuck. There, you, have, you have very few options at that point for fighting back.
2: And there's another course, though. You learn how to fight from a vehicle. That's right. And the first thing they teach you is how to get out of the vehicle.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if, you, you know, if you want to go down that road, if you, if you consider that to be a risk, if you consider that to be into your plausibility of, of potential hazards you're going to face, look at a Craig Douglas course.
2: And where do you spend your time? Identify your vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. Pay attention.
1: Okay. You're asking for people to pay attention. I know. It's a lot. but
2: <laughs> <laughs> We'll be a lot better place
1: if a lot of people are paying attention. We get a lot of people paying attention. And, and, it, and that's a hard deal, too. Um, and, and, I've, and I've said this before. You know, the government keeps telling us, you know, if you see something, say something. Well, if you do say something, they call you a bigot or Not a racist right. or a homophobe. Um, so it's it, it's a hard line there, too. You're part of society. If you see something, do something.
2: Saying something just delays the inevitable.
1: Right. Right. And and it goes back to um, you are the first responder because mm-hmm. you're there. Uh, and if you can prevent this happening, you know, simply by making it known that, hey, you see what's going on, and it's, not, it's looking a little shady.
2: Well, I'll tell you a story. It was years ago. Uh, I was... Traveling from Denver to Casper, because I lived in Casper, and I would stop at the Glendo gas station. Mm -hmm. I pulled in through the gas pump in my car, and I went into the C-Store. On my way in, I watched this gal do the same thing I was doing, right? Um, She was traveling alone, very obvious. She had, looks like her worldly possessions in the car. Um, She left the car, and... Another car drove up, and somebody hopped out of that car and got into the back seat of her car. And that other car drove away and pulled up onto the on ramp and sat there.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So I go into the C store, and this gal's in front of me. She's buying a bottle of water and a couple candy bars. And I went, You don't need to get in your car right now. And it took her by surprise. She was kind of offended that I said something. Then I explained the situation to her, that somebody was waiting for her in her car, and I asked the guy behind the counter to call the police. Well, he did. He called the sheriff. The sheriff rolls in, because he happened to live in Glendo, and he hauled this guy out of the backseat of her car. He was a crip. This is years ago. His initiation into the gang was to kill somebody. She'd have gotten that car, traveled down the interstate for a couple miles. He'd have made his play. The other car would have picked up the other car. She'd have just disappeared. Right. And the interstate's dangerous that way. hmm But situational awareness, she had no idea somebody climbed in her car. Right. And
1: convenience stores a lot of times make it hard because they've got their windows covered. You can't see what's going on in the parking lot unless you're standing right at the front door. That's right. Um, so, yeah, pay attention. Lock your doors. This was 20 years ago. Right.
2: That's, they've just gotten more sophisticated since then,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and it's just going to keep getting worse. I'm I'm afraid. Um, so the best thing that we can do is you know keep your eyes open, pay attention to what's going on around you, and and like you say, if if you see something, do something, um, do something, say something, alert the authorities, get get the ball rolling, um, and hopefully maybe you can save a life and maybe it's your own.
2: But I recognized in that situation. Interacting with that guy that was climbed in the car was going to get me in a real jackpot, mm-hmm. right? My best course of action was to make contact with her away from him inside the store. Right. It really took the teeth out of what was going on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and thankfully, all, all's well that ends well. Um, and hopefully, uh, things are going to start to get better. You guys out there, keep your heads up. Uh, pay attention to what's going on and and everybody stay safe out there and until next week uh check out 10th mountain whiskey and you guys keep blaming your guns